Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Jordana Levine, and you're listening to the Inspired Table Podcast. Each week, you'll be led down an inspired path of curiosity as I chat to some of my favorite soul-centered folk about the things that inspire me daily in the hope that some of that juicy inspiration will rub off on you. So pour yourself your favorite cuppa and take a seat at my table. I promise you'll leave happier, healthier, and bursting with inspiration. Hayden Quinn a couple of years ago maybe more than a couple of years ago maybe three maybe three years ago I should have thought about this before I started recording anyway I can't quite remember the details but we met through email over mutual work stuff I think and then emails turned to breakfasts and yoga classes and we chatted about life and business and meditation and you know sometimes we talked about really deep shit and I remember thinking to myself who is this guy and is there anything that this dude can't do um you guys may know Hayden from his stint on MasterChef or perhaps you recently caught his new show on the ABC surfing the menu with Dan Churchill but whatever Hayden Quinn you've seen on the TV or read in the magazines, that is the real deal Hayden Quinn. And that's the guy you're going to meet today. So I've been pretty busy lately. Um, We have just recently, about a month ago, launched um, the second iteration of the classic Surfing the Menu, um, which was... I guess, uh, initially done by Curtis Stone and Ben O'Donoghue and myself and Dan Churchill have taken the reins and we, we finished filming the Surfing the Menu Next Generation last year and it just went to air on ABC One Sunday night 6pm about four weeks ago. Um, so yeah, we've got 13 episodes to get through there and we're, uh, we're not even halfway, so it's really exciting. Um, and basically been doing a lot of promo for that and pushing that out along with the new book. And then, gosh, there's a million other things. Um, the gym, which I part own with a couple of mates, that's really going from strength to strength. And then there's the wine label, which I have a partnership in called Kooks. Um, and yeah, just keeping busy with, I do a lot of little cooking demos and writing for different, uh, recipe developers. I've been doing a lot of stuff with Delicious Magazine, which is awesome and I'm really excited about. And that that was sort of one of my, I guess, long-term goals a few years ago and I finally achieved it, which is awesome. Um, So I do writing for them now on a monthly basis, which is cool. Um, And then, yeah, just trying to stay sane (laughs) (laughs) without, without doing too much work. But, oh, and I also just finished my 
certificate four in personal training at the Australian Institute of Fitness, which is really cool. Um, yeah. So Hayden, if <laughs> if you meet someone who doesn't know who Hayden Quinn is, mm-hmm. and they ask you, "Excuse me, sir, what what is it that you do? <laughs> what, what do you say?" <laughs> um, I don't. Um, I sort of just I pick one. If it's a random person that really has no idea who I am. Like if I meet like an international person on an airplane and like, oh man, what do you do? I uh, I can just I just pick something and I tell them that I I own a gym or I have a wine label that I'm in partnership with or you know I do food or I write recipes or I do television or I don't know. It's it's a hard one because you don't want to sound like a weirdo going through a list of things that you do. No, absolutely not. No one can believe you can do all those things, but you can. You just got to balance it all out. Yeah, that's right. So, do you feel, do you feel like you have a pull towards one of them more than the other, or that you identify with one side a little bit more than the other? Uh, I probably should. And if you were a smart business person or a smart uh, person that wants to have a relaxed lifestyle, you'd probably just pick one and run with it. But I'm the sort of person that wants to do everything, and I've always wanted to do everything, and I'm going to continue to try and do as much as I can. So. Um, in answer to your question, I, I love I love the food, I love the creativity around food and I love the sharing element of food and I love the people with food. Um, and the reason I love the gym thing is because I have 150 friends that I can go and hang out with every single day because we've got 150 members and they're all my mates. Um, well, that's how we hope to run our gym is that everyone's a big community. So. I love the fact that I can go there if I'm bored or alone or tired or excited or whatever it may be. And I can go and, <laughs> All of the things. Yeah, I can go and hang out with them and, and that's what I love about that. And yeah, I think with the wine, that's just the, the big one for that is our, our wine label is all about social good and social enterprise. So we give back to the community through our different projects that we have. Um, and that is, I guess, the, the charitable side of things that I really enjoy along with um, the stuff that I do with Starlight. But I think for me, the, the main one and always, what will always be the main element of my life is definitely food and food and media because that's, that's my biggest driver and that's what I really, really love. Um, the other two projects are, are very much there but you know, they're, they're, they're sort of my passions that I'm, I'm a part of in the background more than the forefront, which is, is kind of nice. Yeah. So let's go, let's go right back to the beginning of your food journey, which I guess really started with MasterChef, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, guess, I guess you could go back even further because food for me has always been in my home and in my home life. My mom was a home economist, so she, she taught at TAFE, she taught um, at the Australian Gas Company, she taught at Energy Australia, she worked on development of recipes and then she worked with like kitchen companies and helped develop and, and work on appliances and then she worked for Good Taste magazine and then she's done all these amazing things with food and you know we were always surrounded by it. I'd imagine my kids are going to be surrounded by lots of food when I have children and I was the same and I always said to mom, it's funny, I always go, mom, you know, you just, you missed food, you you know, if you were 15 years later, you would have been doing food when <laughs> food. When she was food, ahead of the times. Yeah, she was, she was doing it when it was just the thing that you had to do um, but now, you know, food's cool uh, and it's funny because I go onto all these shoots and, you know, as you know, you, you go on the shoots and sets and 
meet people in the food industry and there's people I meet and they're like, oh, your mum taught me taught me cooking and, you know, I went to TAFE and your mum taught me this and she didn't, she was my home economics teacher. And so it's funny, quite, Kate, and I didn't know that about your mum. Yeah, yeah, she, so she's, um, she's done a lot. She doesn't do any food anymore other than cooking dinner when I tell her there's like 10 people coming around and we're all having dinner at her house. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, she just loves food obviously still but she works in... Uh, retirement living now, so she's a. I call her the principal of a retirement resort. They call it. Oh. She's the administrator of a place called the Manners of Mossman. That she's just the principal of old people, basically. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> this is funny. So yeah, that's that's. I guess that's where the food journey started. And then obviously, growing up, I I loved. I loved traveling. I loved eating. I loved creating. I I learned so much from mum. I learned so much from the television, um, and I learned so much from reading. I'm a big reader. Um, and then travel, trial and error, wanting to impress girls, wanting to be able to eat cheap, wanting to be able to show off to mates, wanting to be able to engage people over the dinner table rather than going out and paying for it was, I guess, a big driver for me um, with food. And then, it, and then it gets to a point where you get to a level where you're like, oh, I want to take it to the next step and get more creative and more excited. And yeah, and then MasterChef came along and that was just one big adventure. Yeah, so let's, let's talk about it. Yeah, well, MasterChef was funny. I was, at the time I applied for MasterChef, I was a beach services section leader. So I was the boss of, or one of the bosses of the lifeguard service in Ringer. Uh, myself and Tim Donkin and then I was at home on a very day very much like today but it was summer it was a bit wetter and a lot warmer but I saw a, I was sitting at home on the couch um, and there was an application oh, MasterChef apply now and I was like ha I'll give this a go I love food I've always loved food it'll be a great adventure you know we're coming to the end of the season I'll have be able to get a little bit of time off and we'll be able to do it and away I went and just applied and yeah, went for it and one thing sort of led to another and the next minute I'm standing in front of, uh, you know, the TV execs with an interview and then the judges and then there's cameras and then it's top 50 and then top 24 and then top 6 or whatever it was and then I got kicked out and then the world started, I guess. Yeah. Just <laughs> uh, remind me, what, what series were you? Uh, it was 2011, uh, so quite a while ago now, um, seems like a lifetime. Yeah. So I don't know what number in the order. I think that was like series three. Yeah, I think it was about three too. What have you seen the show lately? Do you think it's changed a lot? Uh, I tell people these days, if I applied for MasterChef now, I wouldn't get in. Yeah, it, totally. It's and so nothing good. against you, but they are—they're freaking crazy now. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like yeah, it's it's exactly right, and it's very much to do with the fact that MasterChef even exists. It, it, that people are that good with food these days. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I watched these guys and girls do things. And I'm like, are you kidding? <laughs> like, what are you doing? That's crazy. Um, and yeah, I, I wouldn't cut the mustard these days. But um, yeah, it's incredible uh, skill set that they've got. It's amazing. Yeah, I know. I often watch it as well. People tell me to go on it all the time. I'm like, there is no way I could do. Yeah, I think I think our stuff. cooking, like the cooking we love doing, isn't sort of like. I was able to adapt what I did to MasterChef back in the day, but the cooking that I love to do now isn't really MasterChef style cooking. No. It's you know, we me and you cook in a very similar sort of way in loving, nurturing, sort of sharing. Throw it in a bowl. 
yeah, it's yeah. sort of just yeah, wouldn't again wouldn't cut the mustard <laughs> in the master chef kitchen. <laughs> so tell me then, um, I spoke a little while ago to Luke Hines, who was yep. on My Kitchen Rules. Yep. And we talked about how sort of when you're in that wave of the early reality TV series, which I think you can count yourself in that group, yep. that it's a little bit different to now. But how do you think that MasterChef kind of propelled your career and kind of got you to where you are today? Oh, it's it's the sole and only reason, really. You know, I would if I if I didn't make that MasterChef application, I, I'd still probably... You know, my goal at the time when I was lifeguarding, I had an incredible job. I had a car. I had a good salary. I worked on the beach. I worked in the office. I got to use my brain as well as, you know, get out in the sunshine. Um, the goal was to become a, a fireman like a lot of my friends before me um, and like my little sister still wants to do. Um, you know, work in emergency services. It's Everything's different. It's always changing. It's fun. It's exciting. It's engaging. Um, there's plenty of time for holidays. But, you know, the MasterChef thing, and I would have still loved food. You know, I would have continued to cook. I would have continued to eat out. I would have continued sharing meals and doing all the things that I love with food, you know, travel and, and whatnot. But MasterChef allowed me to take that passion and that love for food and go, oh, if I work hard at this if, and if I meet the right people and talk to the right people and engage in the right way and have the skill set and the knowledge that I need to be able to do this, I'm going to be able to make the food the, the sole thing. And um, if you... If I wasn't on MasterChef, then I wouldn't have had the, I guess, the, the coverage and the, the exposure that you need to be able to sort of skyrocket into doing the things that you really love. But, and then there's the other side of it where people sort of think that you just get handed it. But yeah. you know, an overnight success is made in ten years, they say. Um, so it's been a long time before, like this show, surfing the menu, is like the biggest thing I've done, and it's been five years. Um, you know, it's not. It doesn't just like, oh, here's your TV show, Hayden. Good luck. You know, or here's your book, or here's your dream restaurant. It's it's just a stepping stone and a great stepping stone to be able to achieve the dreams that you you have deep down. Absolutely, and you know, I can I can testify that you work your ass off. So, <laughs> well done to you, boy. Um, let's talk about surfing the menu. Yeah, surfing the it's menu. Super exciting. Um, I used to love the Curtis Stone and Ben Donahue series. It's a fun one, hey. Yeah. It's it's I think it's very much it captures the Australian spirit um more than anything. And it captures it through food, it captures it through the amazing scenery and the landscape that we have surrounding us here in Australia. And then also the people. And the one thing that I found that I love most about creating the series and and doing it was was meeting the people along the way. Uh we got to Dan and I were on the road for two months. Um, we filmed for a month, we came home for a week, and then we filmed for another month. Um, it was a long time away and a crew of about 12 or 13 guys. Um, and yeah, we went to some incredible places and it was all about experiencing those places firsthand in an observational documentary style way that, that includes food, it includes humor, a bit of adventure, obviously surfing. and and very much exposing people to parts of Australia and people of Australia that they may not get to see or meet in their lifetime because, you know, it's, it's, it's a hard place to get to a lot of these places in Australia, but it's incredibly beautiful. Um, so, yeah, we were, we were really fortunate. It came about um, very quickly. We turned it around quite quickly from the idea to actually getting on the road and 
we're looking forward to everyone continuing to watch it so we can go about Series 2 and, and take people around the other part of the country that we haven't seen yet. Um, so it's, a, it's an exciting project and it's one that we've also sold internationally. So it's going to be going into Asia, it's going to Middle East, it's going to Canada, Italy, uh, where else? There's a few other, Germany potentially. And then we're looking to try and get into the UK and the US because you know, it really shows off Australia and there's some mm. things in there that all those countries do not even have in the slightest. So No, they'll lap it up, they'll love it. Yeah, it's cool. What was um? What do you think your favourite place was that you visited? Um, I think for me there there was two big highlights. Um, one one was in Catherine, uh, in the Northern Territory. You know, when we live on the east coast here, and you know the majority of the population does, we're very much sheltered from the world that is Australia. Uh, we're sheltered from uh, Australian historical traditions, Australian roots, you know, indigenous Australians, um, the plight of a lot of the indigenous Australians and also the, I guess, the the indigenous Australians that are championing their, their culture and, and their communities and their people. Um, and for me, it, it had been something that I always felt quite connected to, even though we're so distant from it here. Um, and something that I'd always wanted to do was go and meet people from you know indigenous Australia and understand them a little bit better and get a bit of force insight into their lives and and actually get out there and, and experience it and we got to do that uh, in a place called Beswick which is a indigenous community about an hour and a bit or an hour and a bit more closer to two hours south of Catherine um, where we met up with a, a guy called Tommy Lewis who's an incredible Australian playwright and musician um, one of the first Indigenous um, playwrights, uh, which is really, really cool. And, and we hung out with him and his family um, in Beswick and, and we went to some, we went looking for bush honey with the, the ladies or the aunties. Um, and we got some bush honey and then we went to the watering hole and then we went to the, uh, we, then Tommy took us to this incredible place, which was a massive surprise for us. It was like a gorge that was very significant for, uh, I guess, the spiritual side of his people. And we got to go swimming there with him in amongst the freshwater crocodiles and the waterfall and the, the whole bit. And that was an incredible experience. You know, we got to spend the whole day with these guys and girls and the kids and the whole people. And then we went and had a, had a beer with them afterwards at the social club. And, yeah, it was a, a really special, special time. You know, I met a young girl there who loves nothing more she's only I think she was only 21 and her whole aim in life is to share her culture and share what she does and and listen to the old ladies and and take note of what they say and and be able to pass it on to future generations um, and to do that she'd gone to Melbourne to learn how to be a barista so she could work and you know create an income for herself and it was an incredible story and you know it's not a story that we told on the show but it's just one that we you know we found along the way and it was just yeah, such a special day. Really, yeah, really beautiful. cool. Yeah. And then the other one was being a coastal boy um, and someone that loves the water uh, was Exmouth. Um, is a really beautiful part of the country. Uh, we got to go on the reef there, Ningaloo Reef. There's epic surf. Every time you hit Bali, all the guys up in Bali get good waves that pumps through down there to Exmouth and they get good waves there. Incredible seafood. All the whale migrations that go on there from humpback whales to whale sharks. That's uh, that was really special, um, and always, you know, I, I studied marine biology at university, and 
that was a place that you always hear about and is always under threat from a lot of the resources and resource boom that goes on up that way. Um, and it was great to be able to see it in quite pristine condition, um, which is really special. Yeah, amazing. And amazing that you can do all of this as part of your job. Exactly, exactly so right. So lucky. Yeah, so, so lucky. And, I, uh, you know, Dan and I, we, we did this. I'd, I'd been lucky enough to do a few TV things previously. And I remember the first big one I did was in South Africa um, when I did a show called Hayden Quinn, South Africa, which only aired over there. But I remember at the time I was really stressed and I was really absorbed by everything and I was only in these incredible places and I got to the end of it and a lot of it was just felt rushed and like I'd missed this and missed mm. that. I said to Dan, I said, mate, you know, this is the first big show you, you're going to do. Don't, don't rush through it, you know. If you need to have a moment, just take it, soak it up, take it all in because we're doing things that people would pay their life savings to go and do. So don't, don't rush through it, don't miss it and don't make it like it's work, you know, really soak it up. So I hope you listen to me because I really <laughs> – I got a lot out of this trip which is yeah, really special. So – yeah, we're very, very lucky, very fortunate and, and grateful that we get to do these things and yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Dan's living in New York now, isn't he? So yeah. that must yeah. have been really lovely for him to come home and, you know, oh, experience yeah. the country. A hundred percent, you know, it's how far can you get from New York than bloody Catherine in the Northern Territory. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I bet you guys were living in close quarters, right? Did your yeah, friendship we- blossom? Yeah, definitely. You know, Dan and I have been good mates for a while. He actually called me up um, before he applied for MasterChef through some mutual friends. And he's like, mate, what should I do? You know, I really want to do this. I love food and it's a passion of mine. I've always wanted to get into it. Da, 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 da. And I said, mate, go for it. Just get amongst it. So we've been mates for quite some time. And yeah, you're right. We, uh, you know, two months on the road spending, it doesn't, two months doesn't sound like much, but when you spend like, 14 hours a day working and then like six hours chilling out and the rest sleeping and you're all in the same room, like me and Dan shared a room basically the whole time or a, you know, a hotel or a motel or a tent or a caravan or whatever the hell we were staying in. Um, it becomes quite, quite full on. But, you know, Dan, Dan was great. He was, I'm uh, very, I can be a little bit introverted sometimes and I very much like to go and have my Hayden time because it yeah. just calms me down. Um, so Dan was respectful of that and there'd be times where I'd be like, bro, I'm just going to go for a walk and he'd be like, oh, you want me to come? I'm like, oh, no, I'm just going to go for a walk. He's like, oh, yeah, cool, man. Yeah, no worries. No dramas or oh, I just, that's it's, good. it's good when, you know, people understand that. So that was, that was cool. That was really cool. Awesome. Cause you want to, you want to be able to do another series together. So you've got to stand the side of each other. Yeah, exactly right. It's like a full-blown marriage straight up. Just yeah. <laughs> Now let's have a chat about The Cube. Yeah. Because I think it's a really exciting venture and I really think it's great, you know, when you're so sort of in the limelight with the media and stuff to have something outside of it. Yeah. Where you're kind of surrounded by your mates and stuff. So how did, how did all of that come about? Yeah, the the gym. Um, it it's funny. It started from a grassroots level. Uh, so myself, uh, my business partner Lewis, and my other business partner Sam, um, we used to train in Lewis's backyard. Or it was Lewis Mullet Daly, and a few of the boys had this epic backyard in Collaroy. Um, it was a classic old house, old five row house with a massive backyard. So you know, if you like this property was worth some ridiculous amount of money, but they were renting it. So in the backyard, we put, um, we set up this like outdoor gym 
um, with weightlifting platforms and monkey bars and chin-up bars and you know rings and we had a rope hanging out of a tree and we had tires and kettlebells and all the stuff you need to stay fit and healthy um, and for about two and a half years there we we trained in the backyard as just as a group of mates and it slowly grew to you know 10 or 12 guys in the afternoons coming around and training you know just random blokes there's no charge Lewis um, Lewis McLean who's the gym manager now and who basically runs the business he, uh, he's got a Bachelor of Science in Exercise Physiology and a Master's in Exercise Physiology um, so he did all the programming and we get to a point like today imagine imagine training outside on a day like today it's just the worst place in the world because the ground's wet it's all muddy and we thought you know we've got plenty of guys here how about we look for a little warehouse space or somewhere in Brookvale or Cromer or somewhere like that where we can rent for you know a few hundred bucks a week and we've got all the gear and we'll just we'll be able to be warm and dry so we did that we Sam Lewis and I put a bit of a business thing together with one of our other mates that train there and yeah we we signed a lease on a property in Brookvale and and we moved all the gear in with the help of our small community at that time which was about 10 or 12 guys um, and started a gym in 2000, what are we, 2016, 2014 um, in Brookvale and we had quite a small space but it was functional, it was everything we needed and membership grew to about 100, or just over 100 and we sort of outgrew our space and then we moved, uh, la- not last year, the year before, was it? No, last year we moved to a larger space in Brookvale, uh, 520 square metres of gym and then another 20 or so square meters of or maybe more than that it's like 50 square meters of clinical space that we have so yeah we 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 have a great community of people um we have amazing coaches um that work for us and have been working for us since the beginning and our business is very much run on on community on word of mouth and on people wanting to be fit and healthy and active and and getting the most out of their life and, and doing it in a positive environment where safety is paramount, um, friendship and, and mateship is paramount and, you know, not pushing people beyond what they want to do is, you know, very much part of our ethos. You know, we don't scream, we don't yell, we don't like get all bravo and muscly and all this sort of stuff. You know, there's a lot of strong boys in there and there's a lot of joking goes on but it's very much a cool environment where anyone can train from, you know, myself to you to my mum to my little sister. So it's a cool space and, and we've just slowly been working on our clinical side of the business which has exercise physiology, uh, physio, massage and nutrition. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, so we have all that sort of front of house um, allied health style services that we also provide with our um, qualified nutritionists and physios and massage therapists and exercise physiologists. So it just keeps going from strength to strength, which is wonderful. And it, it's only possible through, you know, our community and the strength of our members, really. So it's really, really fun. And was it was it owning the gym that made you want to go and get your PT? Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, fitness and health is something that has been very much a part of my life. Um, if my mum was my my food, my food influence. Then my dad was very much my health and and healthy lifestyle influence. Um, he always did triathlons and and swam and run ran and then he trained us at footy and then he trained us at nippers and he trained us at surf club and you know so dad 
very much instilled in us at a young age and I think it's so important that you know kids are getting this sort of inspiration at a young age to be fit and healthy and active um, and it sort of just float on throughout life and that's what it does and to gain knowledge has always been one of my favorite things um, and to be able to go to the um, AIF, the Australian Institute of Fitness and, and do my coursework online with my business partner Sam made it um, accessible for us basically you know we're both busy professionals Sam owns two other businesses as well as the gym and yeah we got to do it online and then face to face and we had our mentors and the whole bit so yeah it was great to have the knowledge and not only that it's also nice to have the ability to work in your own business because yeah. <laughs> you need your certificate uh, for to be able to instruct it at the gym um, <laughs> so yeah that's kind of cool we uh it was funny because we went to the, you know, we'd go to class and whatnot and, and we'd be the guys that actually owned a gym but didn't have any qualifications necessarily. So yeah. it was, yeah, kind of funny. But, yeah, for me the big thing was just very much um, increasing knowledge and learning with that. Yeah, fantastic. Um, what do you think is something that Australia doesn't know about you? Um, what? Oh, gosh. There's lots of things. I think I think Australia uh, sees the very positive, bubbly side of Hayden, and like everyone doesn't get to see the, oh my God, this is all falling apart side of Hayden, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which which happens all the time. Um, I think you, it happens to all of us. You're not alone. Yeah, yeah when whenever you're working in business and and you know the the pressure is mounting, that that happens to everyone. So. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize how hard you have to work to, to do a lot of these things and um, it's there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff and there's a lot of people that um, make all this a possibility for me. So, it's, yeah, it's definitely very much about mastermind groups for me and, and getting people, you know, to, to help me where I need it and you've very much been a part of that in the past for me as well. So, oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah I have to agree with you on that. I think masterminds are one of the best things that you can do in business. Yeah. Just I'm, talking to other people. Yeah. Well, and the fact is I I think I can do everything, but I can't. And I think that what? I'm <laughs> I think I'm the expert of everything, but I'm most definitely not. And I think if you can find someone that follows your, you know, values. I've got a thing, I'm sitting here in my office and I'm looking looking next to my one of my screens and I have my values up there, curiosity, love, joy, health, nature, truth, adventure, family. And then if you find people that can fit in with your values and, you know, can work for you then and make a take a little bit of load off and and help you along the way, then you ne definitely need to take them up on their offer um, because it's so important to be able to, I guess, reach out to people when you need it. Yeah, absolutely. And be able to give it back as well. I think that's yeah, really important. Yeah, exactly, exactly right. Yeah, 100%. I'm, one of my favorite things about what I do and what I have the ability to do is connect people. Um, I love nothing more than connecting someone with someone else or, you know, I meet someone and they're doing incredible things and I introduce them to, you know, someone that's a leader in that field or whatever it may be. Um, that's probably my favorite thing that I, I get to do is is connecting dots for people. It's I, I feel very fulfilled with it and it's something that I never look for anything in return but if I can help someone achieve something or, you know, kick a goal or whatever it may be, then... I want to be able to do it. And what kind of things? What kind of things inspire you? 
Um, I think for me, inspiration comes very much from the the, the people around me. You know, I uh, it's a it's a very tricky um it's a very tricky question really. Um, what inspires me that I think ad, ad, adventure and being able to do something different every say, single day inspires me. You know, not being stuck, not being trapped, being able to create my own world and 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 sort of. Yeah, come up with my own sort of game plan inspires me to continue coming up with my own game plan. Um, I guess, and it's it's the people, it's the the faces that you see and the smiles and the the friendly comments and the the interaction that you get on you know as interesting as social media is interaction on social media and I guess being able to help people and and guide them and and shed a little bit of light or inspire or be aspirational or whatever it may be, that's really quite inspirational for me. Um, if I can change someone's day, then that's uh, that's going to be a lot of fun yeah. and that's going to make me happy. Um, I know in the past you and I have talked about routine and, you know, morning routines and, yep. you know, having the things that you do that kind of get you through the day. Yep. How did you feel when you were traveling around for surfing the menu and kind of mm. missing out on a lot of that stuff? Mm. Um, it was tricky, but also it, it was, I've been re- like, I'm thinking about my last sort of month. I've been so bad with everything, with my health, with my fitness, with my eating, with my nutrition, the whole bit. It's so out of whack. But um, I feel like when I was on, on the road doing surfing the menu, I was in more of alignment than what I am at the moment. But um, I think when we're on the road, it, there is still routine. Um, there's just no structure to that routine, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So every morning we'd be up at about 5.30. Um, Dan and I would, you know, Dan's a freak for healthy food. Um very much more so than I am, and I'm pretty good, but he's like full on. Yeah, wow, that's saying uh, something, hey? Yeah, so he's uh, he's a good man to be around because, you know, me and him, we both, we don't function if we don't have good food in our bodies. So we'd get up, we'd always have, when we're on the road, you know, we'd, we'd spend two nights in one spot, one night in another, three nights, but we we had our own esky um, and we had our own suitcase that was filled with like dry goods of food staples so we had like a mobile kitchen that we took everywhere with us that had our our bits and pieces so we'd have make sure we had a good breakfast every morning you know I have my routine brush the teeth tongue scraping then coconut oil then eat um, and then then either exercise before that or after that but when we're on the road there was definitely no exercising in the morning um, and then get into it and just make sure Dan and I would also prepare our lunches the night before. Um, <laughs> That's cute. So, yeah, so we'd, we'd both have like a big takeaway container, wouldn't be takeaways, like like a three takeaway container size tub yeah. um, that we'd, we'd make our lunch the night before um, so that when we're on the road, we didn't eat crap basically because I've fallen into the trap and I still do. I'm I'm a great Aussie shit eater as well as <laughs> as much as I like to eat really healthy food, I am a sucker for like a servo pie. You're you're also human. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I'm like a servo pie and a twirl and a, and a sprite. <laughs> Australian um, of you. It's just but then some of these places you can't not, you know, you're at the roadhouse and there's a nice pie woman there, it's like, why not? Yeah. I feel like I should have a four X's. Chucky as, milk. Yeah, exactly. But um, yeah, well, I think think with that, it was all about planning. It's all about being organised and trying to get our hands on fresh produce as much as we could, and then then trying to exercise and push through t- 
tiredness and actually mm. instead of going far out, I'm rooted and I'm going to sit down and have a glass of wine and, and go to sleep, it was like, okay, I'm going to go and do a quick 20 minutes and then we're going to have a glass of wine and then I'm going to fall asleep. Yeah. Um, and that's the hardest thing on the, on the road as well. You drink so much piss. It's really oh, – really? <laughs> yeah, just – because everyone's like, it's pretty stressed, it's hot, yeah. you know, and every arvo you just want to have a beer. So it's not like you're getting sloshed every night. No, it's no, just, it's you're winding down. Yeah, it's like yeah. I've done everything, I've done my exercise, I'm going to have a, you know, I'm going to have a longie now and I'm real happy. Um, <laughs> see, Dan Dan would never have that. Dan's really good. Like he, he would have a glass of wine maybe, um, but he wouldn't have any beer or anything like that. He's a good boy. Whereas oh. I'm... I I'm think like, you're a good boy too. I yeah. think most people would do that. Yeah. Get me to the bottle. Oh, I need my Cooper's long yeah. <laughs> So you but, guys must have been exhausted when you got home though, hey? Like very yeah, little but, sleep. Yeah, we, we – most days – so basically when you're shooting television, you, you're shooting the whole time there's light um, because having a having a cam- two cameras, a sound guy, a director, everyone costs a lot of money mm. um, and budgets aren't massive these days. So if there's light in the sky, you're, you're basically filming something. So we're up before sunrise and we're filming as soon as the sun comes up and then we're stopping filming as soon as the light's too low to, to make pictures. Um, so, yeah, we, we, we're very lucky to have that one month on then a week off and I think for the week off I did absolutely nothing. Um, although no, actually, I did. I filmed for three days for something else, so that was a bit tough. But um, but yeah, I had had a good break when we had a break. But yeah, coming off the back of it, it was quite exhausting. But um, you know, we're in the sun all day, so that gives me a lot of energy. Um, in the sunshine helps, and being outside helps a lot. Yeah, and you don't want to whinge too much about what you had to do. Oh no, not at all. You know, <laughs> it's, it's incredible. It's yeah. Incredible. And we, the hardest part was we're in just this big bus, so we're just driving for hours on a bus. It's a big country. <laughs> oh, did you do the whole thing on the bus? Oh, of course, because yeah. you had all the equipment. Yeah, so we had a 24-seat bus that had all the seats ripped out and all the camera gear and all the cooking gear and we had a car trailer on the back with the car on it. <laughs> did yeah, you but- feel like a bit of a rock star? Oh yeah, yeah. Except for the, except for the parties and the girls and the, and the music. No, the it was um, yeah the groupies. But we the the car the bus travelled fourteen thousand kilometres, so it was um it's a long way. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, that was it was an incredible trip. But on the road, and it's like anyone people, I don't like it when people say I don't have time because you do have time. You just got to find it. Um, like for preparing lunches or preparing breakfast or whatever it is. It just means waking up earlier or going to bed later. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I say that too. That's my mantra. Yeah. Um, I just on a side note of travelling around Australia, I um, enter every Winnebago competition I can find. Win a Winnebago? Yeah. I'm going to win a Winnebago one day. You're going to be a not-so-grey nomad. nomad. Why? Because you're not grey. Oh, not so grey. Not so grey. I thought you not said so not so great. great. <laughs> no, not so grey. No, my friend, my friends, they did it, and they had a um a little YouTube channel, and they then their thing was not so grey nomads. I see. I'll have to check that out. <laughs> it's amazing though. If you have a caravan and you're driving around Australia, you're definitely not the odd one out. It's like everyone's doing it. Yeah, that's cool though. Yeah, it's really cool. It's such a cool way to do it. I'd love to have a you know 
take the kids or whatever it may be and yeah. go, all right, let's go. We're doing a year around Australia and we're getting in the caravan. Oh, what an education. That would be amazing. Yeah, 100%. So what's next for you? Uh, what's next for me? Um, the rest of this year is made up with a lot of travel. Um, I go off to the US for a month at the end of July. We're in July, aren't we? No. no. Soon, yes, yeah, soon we're in soon. Yeah, about a month I go to the US for a month uh, for some work and for a wedding and to see my girlfriend and her parents. Um, and then I come back and I go to Asia, uh, spend about a month in Asia uh, promoting the show because surfing the menus on Discovery Asia. So that Dan and I, we go to Kuala Lumpur, Bangkok, Taipei, Manila. Wow. Uh, or throughout Southeast Asia, which is really cool. And then basically fly from Asia to back to the US for another wedding and some more worky work things. Um, and then from the US back to Asia for more publicity. What? And then we're basically getting towards Christmas. Yeah, wow. Uh, and that's when I like to really kick up and do nothing <laughs> around Christmas and summer. So Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, yeah escape, escape Australia while you can because I swear yeah. it's five degrees out there today. It's free. It's freezing, but all, all while that's happening, we're um, you know, we're working with um, a number of people on two new television opportunities, which are really cool. Um, obviously, really got every finger and toe crossed that the ABC wants to do surfing the menu again. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm super keen to write a, another book or another twenty books, but finding a publisher is very hard, as I'm sure you know, working in that world of yes. writing and whatnot. Um, <laughs> so. It's just coming up with something new and fresh in the old pub publishing world, which in the is saturated publishing world. Oh, it's so saturated. Mm. So yeah, that that's in the background, which is cool. Cool. But yeah, it's just mainly TV and media, and then my work with Delicious Magazine, which I love. Yeah, that's super exciting. Yeah, it's um, it hasn't like I've been working with them for a little while, but my I've done a few little features in the the monthly column or the monthly magazine. But they haven't. We haven't done like a big feature as yet. We have, but we haven't. It hasn't got there because, again, as you know, media and publishing happens about six months before it actually happens. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's really exciting, and I I'm so stoked to be able to work with such an amazing team of writers and editors and food stylists and photographers and and food editors and yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, really. it's such a it's such a beautiful food magazine. You know, I don't yeah. know what you know about the state of the publishing world but having come th from food publishing there's not many left on the shelf no no, no and Dell's Dell's leading the pack at the moment so that's yeah. really cool it's very good I'm very happy I'm very very yeah stoked when I first went in there and met with the guy or went met with the ladies I should say Kerry and Shane <laughs> <laughs> I say the guy when I say guys I mean a colloquial I mean everybody yeah, yeah. Um, but when I met with the ladies, um, Carrie and Shannon, I was so stoked to have been asked um, to come on board because, like I said, it was a, a really a dream come true, you know, um, to be part of such a, you know, amazing publication. So, yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, cool. I look forward to seeing all of that. Mm. All right. Well, thanks for chatting to me. It's been no, a really worry. long time. <laughs> Yes, that was a good chat. Yeah, I'll have to catch up with you properly before you go away. I know. I'm. Uh, yeah, I think that's a good idea. I'll have to. Well, you can either pop over on the the ferry and see me, or I'll pop over and see you in Bondi. 
one or the other. I know, we're so far away from each other. I know, it's just, it's the complete opposite end of the earth. No one wants to leave their bubble. No, (laughs) how bad is it? How bad is it? No, I just, I just moved into a new office in Manly, which is not the office I'm in right now because we're still fitting it out, but I'd love you to see that one. Yeah, I would love that. I've actually got a car for the next month, so I will pop over and see you. Oh, cool. That can be your Manly space if you want to get out of your bubble because I know getting out of the Bondi bubble is good. Yeah, that'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. All right, honey. Well, thank you so much. Okay. I'll oh, wait. First, before what? we before we go, yeah. if people want to find out more about everything that you're doing, where can they find you? Um, my website is www.haydenquinn.com.au. Um, and then social, uh, Instagram and Twitter is Hayden underscore Quinn. Um, Snapchat, which is really fun. I love doing Snapchat. Oh, I'm not on it's, there yet. Oh, you got to get on it. It's so fun. Um, Snapchat is Mr. Hayden Quinn. And then Facebook, I think you just type in my name and you'll find it. Yeah, cool. Yeah, awesome. All right. Well, thanks, Hayden. No, thank you, Jordy. And, um, yeah, we'll, we will chat soon. Okay, speak to you shortly. See ya. For the full show notes for this episode, head to the website, www.theinspiredtable.com.au. And if you have a minute, and if you haven't already done so, I would love if you'd leave me a rating or review. All you have to do is pop into the podcast app that you're probably listening to this episode through and head to the reviews tab and either leave me a star review or you can write a little sentence about how much you love the show. Um, Every rating or review that's left gives me more chance of climbing up the iTunes charts and the higher up I climb, the wider an audience I reach and that's why I do this show. So I would really appreciate if you would do that. It encourages me to keep going and I've got so many exciting guests in the pipelines that I cannot wait to share with you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.